The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Welcome to Dynamic Healing with two experts in chronic pain, David Hanscom and Les Aria. This podcast will show you how to unlock your body's ability to heal. Just breathe and learn how to rewire your brain and break free from chronic pain. Welcome to Dynamic Healing Podcast. I'm Les Aria. And I'm David Hanscom. Well, today, folks, we have an interesting topic, and it's about reprogramming your brain with gratitude. David? Well, this is a big topic, and we're trying to differentiate the difference between gratitude and FOMO sort of contrast and basically we're programmed to react whatever whatever we react to today is programmed by our entire past up to this very second and much if not most of this programming in our lifetime is what everybody else thinks we should be we should be this we shouldn't be this do this do this comes from parents society peers etc and so basically it says negative programming and it causes us to compensate for by pursuing what we don't have and you've all heard the term FOMO, fear of missing out. And it's basically it's the opposite of gratitude. And it's, in this day and age, with all the information overload and opportunities, is quite rampant. So here's a quote by Dr. John Zabitzen, who's well-known in the mindfulness world. He says, as long as you are breathing, breathing, pretty basic, there is more right with you than wrong with you, no matter what is wrong. Yeah, isn't that the truth? Great, that's more right with you than wrong with you. I think we need to... That's, that's a great quote because we need to be grateful with who we are, what we are in this very moment, as opposed to how we must be and should be being somewhere else. And I think this is a great way. So let's kind of let the audience know, David, um, as far as the outline, and we'll just kind of uh, fluidly just discuss this, is we'll talk about what is gratitude, maybe the science behind it, and, and you know, we'll wrap up as usual mm-hmm. with some sort of skill on, on how do we practice gratitude and you'll find out it's so simple. David and I were talking offline, and we sometimes make things more complex than what it is. And uh, and also David had a, and I had a few laughs even before recording this, is uh, we were making it bigger than what it was. And I'm hoping that you will enjoy this as we kind of unfold. What is gratitude? So David, I'm gonna go ahead and start with that. Come on in and chime in. And um, I think, Gratitude is often, at least I want to say this embarrassingly, when I was, um, before I got into psychology, I just thought gratitude is an emotion. Folks, did you know that gratitude is not just an emotion? Did you know that gratitude now has been conceptualized as an emotion, a virtue, even a moral sentiment? It could be even a motive. It could be a coping response. It could be even a skill and an attitude. Wow, it's a lot more than just an emotion. And so 
several papers have been written, um, you know, especially by Robert Emmons and uh, Cheryl Crumler in 2000. They wrote and studied this on what is the, you know, the effects of gratitude, but they really do a good job in pointing out that gratitude is more than just an emotion. David? Well, it's a tricky one because um, <clears throat> I think I told you offline. So by the way, I'm grateful that Dr. Arya laughs at my jokes because nobody else does. He's a good friend and he humors me. <laughs> so Liz, I appreciate you laughing at my jokes. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. My four-year-old daughter thinks I'm funny. That's the only other person. That funny. <laughs> yes. Ashley thinks you're amazing. <laughs> anyway, so anyway, so gratitude is just, it is, we really want to, I really want to come off the traditional just gratitude. Yeah, whatever. But look at my life. How can we be grateful for this? Well, again, we're programmed by our life and you can't outrun your past. You can't outrun your mind. And we've learned a lot of negativity, but gratitude is a learned skill. And again, our program, our brain is programmed. And so if we're programmed by what we don't have, then if you try to choose gratitude just to compensate for that, it's not going to work. So Dr. Arya um, made a very relevant quote, which has been a big impact in my life, that you have to feel to heal. In other words, you have to be able to feel your angst and the FOMO and the fear of missing out, which you don't have. By the, by the way, the way your brain works is always looking for danger. I call it your personal brain scanner. So no matter what is right, your brain is always looking for what potentially could be wrong. So we're geared to survive, we're geared to look for trouble, we're geared to, by our life to be negative. And gratitude is not going to compensate for that. But mm -hmm. just a little bit at a time, as you connect with what's wrong, you can start nurturing what's right. And that's what we're trying to pull out today, that with FOMO, we're just running a thousand miles an hour to compensate for our internal angst. And you have to actually feel the angst before you can redirect. And that's what we're really trying to say today. There's a neuroscience of gratitude that allows your brain to actually function differently. Yeah, it really is. And since you tapped on neuroscience, you just woke me up right there, big guy. Um, I love neuroscience. So um, we could even kind of nerd out on this. But um, I also want us to kind of include, David, when we were talking offline about FOMO, I, wanted, I want us to tie that in because I didn't quite understand how... Um, by the way, uh, I love when David talks about FOMO because he really does have FOMO. Fear, <laughs> oh, sorry, I'm telling the audience this. Um, fear of missing out, FOMO, F-O-M-O. And, and as David and I were chatting about this, you know, how is that related? I love how David thinks about things. He thinks about things so differently than all of us. But we'll talk about this, uh, a little bit of the science behind this. But David, um, when I get done with that, could you just walk us through, you know, your conceptualization of, you know, the opposite of gratitude is, is FOMO. I wasn't making the connection, but you did a, a beautiful job in kind of explaining it to me, and I'm sure the audience would love it. But in the meantime, David, let me let me go over just a couple of things on science, if you don't mind. Folks, did you know that um, when you practice gratitude, again, whether you use it as an emotion, a skill, um, just a, a way of connecting with yourself and people and experiences, did you know that gratefulness or being grateful activates different brain spot, brain parts and that actually help you become less stressed. Did you know that? Did you know that um, when you practice gratitude, it reduces inflammation? Great study out of UC Davis. Hey, UC Davis, local, fantastic. Practicing gratitude led, David, check this out. 
it led to a 7% reduction in biomarkers of inflammation. 7%. How much? 7%. Just just simple gratitude practicing with congestive heart failure patients. So it's so interesting how with congestive heart failure, you know, if you think good, you feel good um, in that sense, not positive thinking, but just genuinely appreciating things um, as they are. But this is why we go back to what we said in the beginning. If we just pause here for a second before we continue. You know, what is gratitude? Remember, gratitude is more than just a feeling. It can be a skill. It can be the way your attitude is. And so if your attitude can shift your physiology, can you imagine how much more it can do for you? Well, if you, let's go back to our dynamic healing model. There's three parts to every living creature staying alive. Is you have your circumstances or challenges. You have your nervous system interpreting your environment. And then your brain sends out signals of what we call threat physiology, fight or flight, or safety physiology. And if your brain is, you know, what's wrong and angry about this, angry about this, your physiology is in fight or flight. It's a sustained threat physiology or inflammatory markers that causes us to have chronic disease, including anxiety, depression, and all the major diseases are linked by threat physiology. So with gratitude, you're changing the input right? You're, you're choosing instead of being angry about something that didn't happen or there's this right. and this, right? You're actually calming down your, your, your brain's not getting signals of safety. Your physiology comes down. And just to be clear, I conceptualize thoughts as input, suppressed thoughts are even worse negative input and your emotions are what you feel or your physiology. Is that a fair statement, Les? So that's, that's, that's pretty more than fair because it's the reality of a clinical practice, David. So what gratitude is are the way you present thoughts to your body, and then you indirectly change your physiology. And that's why your um, gratitude is one of the factors that lowers inflammation. Mm -hmm. So basically there's three parts to healing and Again, we're going back to you had to feel to heal is this connection with what is. Then you have the calm, and that means positive and negative. Every aspect of who you are is who you are today. So instead of whitewashing, cover up the past, you learn to be with your past. And for a lot of us, it's pretty uncomfortable. So it's hard to do. So the second part of healing is confidence. We need strategies, which we'll talk about in a second, to actually help calm yourself down. And the third thing is creativity is where gratitude, gratitude comes into place. So if you're fighting off anxiety, anxiety, I'm sorry, anxiety, anger, and pain, which are massive survival reactions, is hard to nurture gratitude. So two parts of healing, and that's a different subject for another day, is ways of lowering your threat physiology. What we're talking about today is the part about nurturing gratitude. But again, it's not a substitute for these other patterns. And it's during the creativity part of healing where the brain really heals. Mm -hmm. As you actually put yourself into gratitude, you're actually changing your neurological circuits and your brain starts going the opposite direction away from the pain. Yeah. So the basically FOMO is a, remember these survival reactions are a million times stronger than your conscious brain. FOMO is in the conscious brain. And again, you, re, you can reprogram these reactions, but you can't outrun them. So the connection is allowing yourself to be with your pain Unless that's, unless that's what you do really well, besides inflicting pain on me, you actually help your patients tolerate their own pain. You haven't taught me how to tolerate my pain, but you definitely help your patients tolerate the pain. But Les has a very unique approach, very forward thinking about 
Eugene, um, you call it HRV biofeedback to help people just be calm in spite of unpleasant emotions. Right. Yeah. I mean, heart rate variability is not um, heart rate. Um, I treat a lot of doctors, by the way. And it's, I'm very intrigued by the fact that most doctors do not know what HRV is, just to tie into David's conversation here. Heart rate variability is the beat to beat, uh, the space in between one heartbeat and the next, the measurement of that. And to, to give you a visual, if you think of a graph going up, if you think of a line um, escalating, and if you see the straight line, that's because you're stuck in a state of stress, for example. So if someone has a high heart rate variability, it means that you get stressed and then you recover. You get stressed, it, you look, it looks like bell-shaped curves going up. And so you get stressed, you dip down into recovery, you get stressed. The more flexible your nervous system is, the more flexible you are psychologically, being grateful, it changes your whole mechanisms in your brain and body, even at the cellular level. And the heart rate variability really is a good measure. It's a biomarker of how healthy your nervous system is. So gratefulness really does impact heart rate variability. And again, heart rate variability is not heart rate. It's the beat between each heartbeats. It's the measurement, the space within that as statistically co computated and that basically is a good biomarker of how healthy you are. And so David, when I work with many of my patients, just like you do, is that when we can actually genuinely, I'm gonna pause you for a second. A lot of my um, colleagues and even I used to do this too, is that I thought gratitude was a head thing, meaning cognitive thing. Right. You've got to, so folks, one of the things, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more later on about how to actually practice gratitude, just really simply. But a lot of us, including myself, so I'm throwing myself in this. I used to, many decades ago, I used to think gratitude. Uh, my mom used to say, be thankful um, of this, you know, practice gratitude. And I used to think, I just have to think about it. Well, thinking about it is good. But what we need to do, as David has also pointed out in different podcasts, we really need to kind of come back to the body. We really feel the shift, not just think about it. Well, I want to go back to the confidence part of it. So connection with uncomfortable feelings is uncomfortable, and we want to create something positive instead. And, and again, it doesn't work. So the problem is when you're in FOMO, your mind's racing, your physiology's in fight or flight, and your thinking brain goes offline. And so again, the gratitude is a separate skill set, which is critical to help calm down inflammatory markers, but there's also other tools to calm down your brain and get your brain back online. So again, your, your physiology dictates that the blood flow and the activity of the thinking brain goes down to the limbic system or the reactive brain. Until you can calm yourself down, you, you really can't truly nurture gratitude. And we're spending a little bit of time here in the physiology because gratitude is, like you said, it isn't some just cognitive thought processes. It's actually helping calm down your body. And that's where healing occurs. So... Let's talk about, I still want to go back to what you do, which I think is really critical about, I'm in your office. And by the way, you're right. So <laughs> I want to talk about one other little detail. Um, I think I told you I have FOMO and you're asking, do you look? <laughs> oh, he really you means this. David, say it again. Do you really have FOMO? This is <laughs> this is the, the time of, this is an intervention, right. internet intervention, folks. It, David is telling us the truth here. Go ahead. <laughs> so it took me four years of working with you to admit this, but it actually became really clear is that one of my 
friends who is ridiculously wealthy, has more friends you can imagine, really is on top of the world, for describing her FOMO. It's yeah. like the more opportunities you have, the worse it gets in a way. And that just blew me away. And I was thinking, well, I had a tough background. I didn't really have any real friends until I was in sixth or seventh grade. Maybe I don't have any now either. I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it up. You won't. <laughs> anyway, so it's so what happens is that I had a pretty bleak childhood. And I was always trying to get this, this, and this. When I hit high school and college, I sought friends, activities, worked hard. I had a great time for about 15 years, gathering all these experiences and things to compensate for a very bleak life. But at the bottom of this was a strive to have something that I didn't have. And it doesn't stop. And so as you get to be in adulthood, these behavioral patterns become more and more better to become stronger, not weaker. So even though you're outrunning it for a long time, at age 37, it crashed and burned badly because at the end of the day, you can't outrun your mind. Yeah. So even now, I still have to admit this now, like I did my expressive writing today, I acknowledge my need to have things that I don't have. And what I'm doing today actively, and this podcast is a good one for me personally, is I have a lot. People look at me and go, well, how can you have FOMO? You have everything you can imagine. But those patterns don't change. Those behavioral patterns from childhood through up to about age 13 is when those things were really embedded in my brain. They don't disappear. They become stronger. So your neurological programming is really, really critical. So it's been a huge step for me even the last year. I've been also working with psychiatrists, looking at some of the issues about why I am the way I am and just acknowledging that, yeah, I have FOMO. It's a big admission. I mean, that's a tough one for me because you spend a lot of our time pretending you don't have FOMO. That's part of FOMO is acting, you know, putting on your bulletproof vest and, and walking into life. So what Les does, which I find really fascinating, is that I came in your office and I'm not talking about FOMO, but I'm talking about my anxiety or my pain or whatever. So what do you actually do to calm your patients down? Yeah, now, I mean, before COVID, yeah, it would be the office. I even do this remotely. And um, one of the things is sometimes just to really comes back to the basic biofeedback. And biofeedback is is basically uh, as it is sounds, you're paying attention to the biological uh, response of the body to what you're experiencing. And sometimes when we're experiencing anxiety or just a difficult sensation in our body, we don't realize how we relate to that which shows up impacts the body. And so I hooked you up. So, you know, uh, with the plethysmograph stuff, I slipped onto your finger or clipped it to your ear just to get a biological read of, you know, your heartbeat, your, um, your, your sweating, your galvanic measure, just muscle tension. And bottom line is this, is sometimes we don't realize, as David says, when we are always complaining more times than not about what we don't have and how things are terrible in the news. I often hear this, I do group and a lot of time, David, they, when I, I overhear this, I'm in the background before I come on, they're like, how are things? Oh, okay. It's okay. It's just one of those days. How about, how about you shift into, yes, this is a difficult day. And what would happen if we actually reshifted, reshifted one's sensations and experiences to what is good in your life? Because what you express really gets impressed in your body. Right. And what you don't express also gets impressed in your body. So when you come into my office, sometimes we don't realize how our thinking 
our attitudes and emotions really do impact our body. We're constantly, and I'm able to show you then what we sometimes relate to or don't want to relate to or don't want to appreciate actually has a physiological effect, which then impacts your psychology. So just to review, there's connection, <clears throat> allow yourself to be with all your negativity, just be with it, watch it. Then the confidence, it takes tools to process it. And you've used a term that I, again, held on to call pendulation, is that you allow yourself to be with your pain to tolerate. So if you can't tolerate it, then just, you got to take a break. So, yeah. so that's another way of saying, just be kind to yourself no matter what. Yeah. So you learn how to process anxiety and anger, which are massive survival reactions. <clears throat> and then the real healing occurs in creativity where you're moving away from the pain circuits. So there's a bunch of ways of doing this. There's play, good food, good friends, curiosity, spiritual journey. But gratitude is one of the most powerful reprogramming tools. So we'd like to finish up this podcast for a bit on just how do you nurture gratitude? Let's assume we know the tools for processing anxiety and anger. We're working on other things like play, good food, et cetera. But to me, gratitude, again, I'll just take today as an example. My mind's racing about things I have to do. What, what haven't I done? Who should I be doing things with? And just, just being really grateful for this moment. Um, speaking to a good friend of mine about things that are interesting. What's wrong with, why do I need to race ahead to this afternoon about what am I going to do? What's going on? What am I not doing? Mm -hmm. So just connecting to this moment and being grateful for it is actually a very powerful tool. So let's like just to talk to different ways of nurturing gratitude. Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Absolutely, David. There are several ways to do this. And um, if you know me well enough, I like to keep things super simple. There are three, three ways uh, that I, I tend to practice gratitude and David does this too, and he does it on the fly. And, and so let's kind of bring you all up to speed here. Three ways to practice gratitude. It's super simple. I'm just gonna say it and then explain it. Notice, savor, express. Notice, savor, S-A-V-O-R. Notice, savor, and express. So. This is taught to kindergartners and high schoolers, and we need to teach this really um, more and more with each other. Notice the good things that are currently experiencing in your life. When you actually have difficult moments, difficult thoughts, difficult sensations in your body, a difficult life experience, someone who's unhelpful and unloving towards you, or you have a, a car that breaks down that needs to be fixed, Notice what good things you have, because where your attention goes, we have a saying, where your attention goes, where your neurons grow. So if you notice the good things, your brain is being directed to what is good. Now, this is not positive thinking. You genuinely tend to be very thankful when you take that attention and place it on there. I'll give you an example. Right now, everyone just take a simple breath and just notice that breath. 
And when you're noticing that breath, can you just savor that moment and simply pay attention to what it feels like to feel that good thing? We don't stop enough to smell the roses, literally. When bad things happen to you, take a step back out of the narratives. Take a step back from the sensations you're experiencing. Take a step back from that horrible thing that you're experiencing and notice what is good in your life. So just refocusing your attention on what is good can change your physiology to get it deeper into you and to change that brain circuitry and body output and even your the way you look at things. Savor it. How do you savor it? Drop into the moment, as David and I like to say, is into this mindfulness moment. Savor it by as if you're savoring a scent. Um, you know, let's just say you're eating some wonderful raspberry gelato or something like that, or sipping a tea. Um, and you notice like, wow, how delicious it is. When was the last time you actually put a little bit of honey, a little tiny teaspoon and just tasted honey? Wow, can you just savor that? Savoring it is trying to just get absorbed in it. Really, really pay attention with not just your thoughts, but feel it, smell it, using all your senses. That's what savoring means. And then to express it, when was the last time you thanked your mom? By the time this recording comes out, right, David, it'll be um, Mother's Day would have passed. But we want to take time to be grateful to your body for protecting you, your nervous system, to be grateful to, I'm very grateful to David, because uh, he's just a brainiac here, and he just, I just love hanging out with him. When was the last time you expressed yourself, to express gratitude to yourself? When was the last time you expressed gratitude to someone who actually bagged your groceries? Notice, savor, and express. So that's great. I like that <clears throat> a lot. Um, you just brought up a really, really critical point. The gratitude can happen multiple times a day, five to ten seconds at a time. So what, what I think doesn't work, if things are really bad on a given day, some you know, the plumbing broken, your house is a mess. Gratitude is not taking that mess and saying, well, at least I'm not living in a battle zone, right? So you don't want to counteract it. So you get to really experience the mess of your house of a broken pipe. Yeah. There's no point in trying to minimize that. Beautiful. But yep. when you don't have that cup of coffee after the workers are there cleaning things up, you can just save that little cup of coffee. So it's not a it's not a combat. It's just taking the points that you can savor and keep savoring those mm -hmm. and let the badness do, do what it's supposed to do. So it's not a battle, it's a direction. But you brought up a really good point. Gratitude comes in really small spurts, but multiple times a day. Beautiful. That's yeah. the key. Um, so it's programming, programming, programming. And again, reprogramming your brain comes with repetition. And this is beyond the topic today, but I do want to point out that this is not a psychological construct. Gratitude changes your physiology, but you're also changing the actual structure of your brain. Your brain actually changes physical structure. So we know, so you're, you're actually, so what happens is you start changing your life filter and there is a tipping point where you start becoming more grateful than angry because anger is not going to disappear either. As you hit a tipping point, your information comes in in a different filter. Your brain processes it differently. And once people hit a tipping point, you know, I've both seen this a lot. People not only heal, but they start thriving at a level that never was possible. They're moving way away from their pain circuits. And we have hundreds and hundreds of stories of people coming out of their pain circuits, not permanent. Remember, this happens every day, multiple times a day. Pain is not going away, but you process it more efficiently. You nurture gratitude more consistently amongst other positive things. 
Yep. And your brain actually heals. Yep. And what's stunning to me is that the heal, you watch people's countenance, their tone of voice, their attitudes, everything just transforms. And it's not less R.A. or David Hanscom or belief in what we're doing or some process. Your body can heal. And when it heals, it's literally fascinating and humbling to watch people's bodies truly heal. It's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a beautiful um, summary, David. And um, before we wrap up, David, um, you know, I think it's real important for us, for those uh, moms out there and dads too, but, you know, Mother's Day would have come and passed by the time you guys hear this. Great gratitude uh, to my mom personally um, because of her. She made me become a, a good student of life, but also a good student of academics. And she keeps... Um, Keeps uh, she keeps directing me, <laughs> so I will be grateful for her um, for her directions. Uh, with that said, it doesn't have to be um, your mom, and it could be a mother figure, but in general, David and I are very grateful uh, for you folks. I think we need to not forget that, David. Yeah, we're excited to be able to share this with you. And again, I agree with Les completely. Um, you even if you had a mother that wasn't so nice. She still had many positive things about her. If mother wasn't very nice, she was also suffering. So do have compassion for her life, do compassion what she can do well, as opposed to focusing on what she didn't do, is also, again, a learned skill that will change your physiology. So let's have a saying is that to have a good life, you must live a good life. In other words, it takes practice repetition to put your brain on what you want instead of what you don't want. And nurturing gratitude is one of those core concepts of nurturing this nurturing this good life. So I'd like to conclude with a quote by Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who's a very famous Russian writer. And I happened to read this 25 years ago. And it, honestly, it changed my life. Because again, when you're, I mean, I was a master at outrunning my mind until I couldn't. I mean, I went to high level spine fellowship. I did all sorts of things, had all these great experiences and became more and more miserable. So this really was interesting to me. So Alexander Solzhenitsyn was a very famous Ru Russian writer. Um, he wrote about the Gulag Archipelago. I think I'm pronouncing that wrong. And he knows life in a concentration camp, basically in Siberia. So here's his quote. What about the main thing in life, all its riddles? If you want, I'll spell it out for you right now. Do not pursue what is illusionary, property and position, all that is gained at the expense of your nerves decade after decade, and it is and it is confiscated in one fell night. Live with a steady superiority over life. Don't be afraid of misfortune and do not yearn after happiness. It is, after all, the same. The bitter doesn't last forever and the sweet never fills a cup to overflowing. <clears throat> it is enough if you don't freeze in the cold and if thirst and hunger don't claw at your insides. If your back isn't broken, if your feet can walk, if both arms can bend, if both eyes see, and if both ears hear, then whom should you envy and why? This is the sentence that really changed my life. Our envy of others devours us most of all. Rub your eyes and purify your heart and prize above all those who love you and wish you well. Do not hurt them or scold them and never part from any of them in anger. After all, you simply do not know it might be your last act before your arrest. And that is how you'll be imprinted on their memory. Wow. So I you read that every day, once a day. I That's a really powerful quote. Um, so 
we don't know what we have until we don't have it often. And so gratitude with what we do have today, right now, is really a huge factor in healing. Absolutely, David. That's a beautiful way to wrap up this podcast. And folks, again, to those of you who celebrate Mother's Day and those of you who are struggling, have hope and practice a sense of gratitude. And this quote really highlights it, is take a look and see what you have versus what you don't have. Les, thank you. And thank you to our audience for um, hearing us out. And we're, um, we're excited to be able to talk to you. We're grateful for that. David and Les would love to hear from you about today's podcast and any ideas for future topics. You can email them at david-les at dynamichealingpodcast.com. That's david-les at dynamichealingpodcast.com. If you're inspired by the teachings of Dr. Wayne Dyer, you will love the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast with Nadia Dela Cruz. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. My name is Nadia Dela Cruz, and I started the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast to explore spiritual topics like manifestation and meditation with guests who share their own stories of insight, awakening, and transformation. Listen now on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.